0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message in our current series called How to Pray. Let's take a listen.
1: So what we've got to witness and watch over the last several weeks is if we've looked at this Lord's Prayer is we've watched how this prayer has evolved. We watched how Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray. And we know it all started with worship. Our Father who is in heaven, And it talked about declaring him to who he was to remind us of who he is. And then that worship leads to surrender. And then when we surrender, we know that once we surrender, it leads us to another level, which we talk about being dependence, being dependent. And so what we're gonna look at this week is almost another step. We're gonna go from worship to surrender to dependence to now what what we're gonna see through the scripture today is to say that we are dependent is one thing, But to exercise dependence is something totally different. And that's what this prayer is all about today, is putting us in a posture to where we are to exercise dependence. Because you know, it's just like going to the gym. You can go to the gym and say, man, I wanna get stronger. I wanna get more fit. But is going to the gym and sitting on a chair gonna do you a bit of good? Boy, don't we wish it could. Man, we would all go work out. Man, you say, I got to go to the gym about 30 minutes a day, sit on the thing and I'll leave stronger. (laughs) We would all sign up. But we know in order to exercise, in order for our muscles to be strengthened, we not only have to go to the gym, but we've got to exercise the very muscles that we want to be strengthened. And so that's what we have to understand is we can all in this room say that we want to be dependent upon the Father, that we want to be dependent on God But it's a whole nother thing to exercise that dependence. And look, to pray that our dependence is strengthened, be ready. Be ready when we pray for that that dependence to be strengthened because there's only one way for it to be strengthened and that's to exercise it. For us to be put in positions to where we are forced to be dependent upon the Father. And so I want you to flip to Matthew chapter six. And because we're ending the prayer today, we're gonna read um, the entire Lord's Prayer, which most of us probably don't have to read it. We can just sort of recite it together. But we're gonna read this and then we're gonna walk through verse 13 as we get ready to, to close it out. But in verse nine, Jesus says this, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One thing to take a quick note of is what we can see here is that the Lord's prayer ends the very same way that it started. And what I mean by that is it ends with praise, it ends with adoration, it ends with declaring who God is. And so we see there that it starts out and it ends the very same way. But the reason that it ends that way is because we've just prayed all of these ideas of surrender, we've prayed about dependence, And what we know is that when we pray those things, God reveals those things to us. We have to exercise those things. And when we exercise those things, we serve a God who is faithful. And so he proves himself in those things. And that is the very reason that we are able to praise and that we able that we bow down and worship him for who he is. So we see that it ends by recognizing his power, we recognize his glory, we're acknowledging who he is we're acknowledging what he's done and we're acknowledging what he's going to continue to do. And so what we're going to do today is we're not going to really spend a lot of time on the ending. But we are going to look at verse 13 and we're going to look at it in a, in a whole other level, I think, that, that all of us have ever seen it. But look in verse 13. And do not lead us to temptation. This is a plea from a child to the father. Do not lead us to temptation. And the first thing that we've gotta do with verse 13 is we gotta spend some time unpacking what this verse does not say. We've gotta make sure that we understand what this verse is not saying before we can look at it and see what it actually is saying. So what we we have to take note of, what we have to make sure that we recognize is the fact that this is not saying that God, our heavenly father, is going to attempt and lure us into sin. God is not going to tempt us into doing anything that is contrary to his word. He is not the one that is gonna lure us. He is not the one that is wanting us to fall flat on our face. He's not the one who is wanting to lead us into into this temptation. I want you to flip to James chapter one right quick. And you can actually stay in James because we're gonna go back there in just a little bit one more time. But in James chapter one, verse 13 and 15, I want you to see this. So the fact that I'm telling you that God will never tempt us, God will never lure us into sin, is not Brian's opinion. It's not something that we're thinking up here. It is according to the word of God and the promises that we receive here. So look at verse 13 and 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, that I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. Did you hear that? He does not tempt anyone. Verse 14, but each one who is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust, then when when the sin has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So according to the scripture, according to the word of God, he will never lead us to sin. First Peter, we read that he tells us be holy because I am holy. And In order for us to be holy, God is not gonna lure us into being unholy. So we have to recognize first that this verse is not saying that God is going to lure us in. So I know you're probably thinking, well, Brian, if that's not what it's saying, then what is it saying? If that's not what it's saying, what is he talking about? First thing that we notice is we see there, and do not lead us into temptation. When we see the word lead, what this is, is this is a place of again, surrender. This is a request from a child asking the father either to lead him somewhere or not lead him somewhere. So we see that this is is submission. We're saying, Father, lead me. Or in this case, we're saying, Father, don't lead me. You know, we understand that, but here's the thing that, that I want you to understand. You do know that being obedient to Christ, you do know following Christ is not always going to be easy. When we submit to him leading, when we submit to where he's taking us, it is not always going to be easy. I think back when I was a young child and I think I was about seven or eight years old, I remember that, that me and my dad and some of his friends were at an, an old hunting club And I was walking these roads in the middle of the summer. It was miserably hot. And I remember we had been walking for hours, it seemed like, for days, it seemed like. And I was miserable. I was tired, I was thirsty. My little legs weren't much longer than they are now and I could not keep up with all these grown men. And so I'm walking really twice as far as they are, the way I do the math in my head. And I remember just being miserable. And so of course, as a seven-year-old, I began to whine and complain and say, daddy, how can we get back to the truck? And I remember we had walked these old dirt roads, these old logging roads for hours on end. And he said, now look, I know a faster way to get there. I know a different route, but it's gonna be a whole lot tougher. Are you willing to go that way? And I remember as a seven year old, I said, I'm just following your lead. I'm just going where you're taking me. And I remember as I trekked off this old dirt road or this dirt path, we began to go down hills. We began to walk through the thickest, nastiest stuff that I had ever walked through in my life. There were briars. So of course I was more miserable than I ever was before. But you see, following my dad's lead took me through some tough situations, took me through some briars, but here's what I want you to hear. Because my dad knew where he was going, we arrived at the truck a lot quicker. And we arrived at the truck even in a safer manner because we had not been out there for so long. And yes, there were times when I was in these ditches, when I was tangled up in briars and I was whining and I was complaining. But what ended up happening is my dad, as I began to call out to him, daddy, I can't do this. Daddy, I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm tired of this. And because my dad loved me, he picked me up, placed me on his shoulders and carried me through the tough times. He carried me through the the briars. He carried me through the ditches. And so yes, we arrived where my dad wanted us to go. But what ultimately happened is my dad got to prove to me his strength, his courage, and the love that he had for me. But you see, I didn't wanna go that way. And you know that following Christ is a lot of times very similar to that. Following him, following his lead is oftentimes gonna take us places that we do not want to go. They're gonna take us places that we honestly could care less about being in. But understanding that when we follow our father's lead, that is an opportunity for him to prove his faithfulness to prove his strength and to prove what he knows. And that's what leads us and prepares us to pray for what's next. And do not lead us to temptation. This is a plea of asking God, don't lead me through that mess. Don't lead me to that temptation. And on the surface, when we read that, it appears that we're saying, okay, God, don't tempt me. God, don't lead me there so that you can tempt me to do evil. But what we must do is what we've got to do is in the the translation from the English to the original is like we've said before, there's so many times that it's hard to communicate what was originally being said. And so when we look at this word temptation, it comes from the Greek word parismas, which the definition of that word is trial or test. So The definition of that is saying, Father, please don't lead us into a trial. Please don't lead us into a test. We are pleading with God not to lead us in tough circumstances. We're asking God, God, don't lead us down that that difficult road. God, don't lead us to where we're going to get cut up, where we're going to get beat up, where we're going to get worn out. God, I'm begging you, don't lead us there but we know in God's sovereignty and his power and his strength in those tough times is when he proves who he is. Because you know, if, if following Jesus was easy, everybody would do it. Because you know, there's a lot of times that for lack of better words, there's a lot of deception and there's a lot of false teachings that are taking place in a lot of churches because there's people who are standing and telling and promising people, hey, if you submit your life to Christ today, everything gets better. It is smooth sailing from here on out. If you'll follow the lead of Jesus, then all your problems go away. Your marriage will be restored. You'll get the dream job. You'll get the dream girl. You'll get the dream guy. But all you have to do is follow Jesus. All of us in the room are gonna go, sign me up for that. Aren't we? But what we need to know is that There's a lot of times that following Jesus takes us through the toughest seasons of our life. That when we follow Christ, yes, there may be a longer way to get there, but sometimes the Father wants to take us on a different path that essentially is gonna leave a lot of scars, that may leave a lot of hurt. But you see, this is an opportunity for the Father to prove who the healer is. And who the strength is and who the courage is. But what's heartbreaking to me is the deceitfulness that is being told is that this is a very reason a lot of people want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with this Father who loves them. Because they've prayed a prayer, they have made a profession of faith, but then all of a sudden a train wreck comes. And they think, well, you know what? This is not what I signed up for. That person or that, that individual told me that if I gave my life to Christ, that everything was gonna get better, that everything was gonna be simpler. And so, in so many cases, people say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with that lie. But the reality is, we see here that that there's oftentimes that following Him is going to take us through some of the toughest seasons in our life. But you know, the reality is, sometimes, in order for His will to be accomplished, it takes us walking through the trials it takes us walking through the battles of life. And so a lot of times God's will is to send you through the storm. And I know that may be thinking, oh my gosh. But the truth is, if you're not in a trial, if you're not in a test right now, get ready because there's one coming. I love you enough to tell you that. I don't want you to be blindsided. I'm telling you right now that there's tough times coming There's gonna be trials, there's gonna be tests. So it's not a question of if, but it's a question of when. And we see that, like I said, in 1 James chapter one, verses two through four. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Something very interesting there is that when we read that verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. That is the very same word in the original language that was shared for the word temptation in Matthew chapter 6. And so we see a relation there between trial and test and temptation. And we're gonna talk about that in just a minute, but what we see is that we read right there in James chapter one, that the trials and the tests that God leads us to, that God allows us to walk through, what we see is there's purpose in it. We read that purpose in verse two. It says that it produces endurance. It brings forth the perfect result. And as a follower of Christ, it says there that it completes us. So there's purpose in the trial. There's, perfect in, there's purpose in the storm. There's purpose in these tough seasons. And so as we pray this, lead us not to temptation. Lead us not into a trial. Lead us not into a, terf, a tough circumstance. What you have to go back and remember is what we prayed just a few lines before. Your will be done. So there's nothing wrong at all with us saying, making our hearts desire known to God and saying, God, please don't let us go through this. Please don't let us walk through this tough time. Please don't allow us to walk through this trial, but your will be done. Because so many times that trial is a part of him accomplishing his will. But do we love him enough that we're willing to allow him to use us in those trials to make his name famous? Do we invite trials so that it'll make his name famous? Do we invite tough times so that glory can be given to his name? I'm not saying that I'm there yet. You sure ain't gonna hear me down here praying in just a minute. God, please give me a trial. I'm not there. But what we have to understand is so many times that that trial and that test that you're walking through right now is part of his will because he wants you to be strengthened. He wants you to have endurance and he wants you to know how to fight. And so his purpose in the trial, his purpose in this test We've just read as to strengthen you, but what you have to understand is there's one called the enemy, Satan, the devil himself. He's got a different plan. He doesn't want you to be strengthened. He doesn't want you to gain endurance. He doesn't want you to be made complete. 1 Peter 5 tells us that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that someone is you as a follower of Christ. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take your eyes off of your father. He wants you to go down his path rather than the Lord's path. So he's prowling around us all but he's trying to lure you into a different direction because he is the tempter, he is the deceiver, he is the liar and we see what he's doing, we see how active he is even in the life of Jesus. I want you to flip to back to just one page in Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, verse one. Look at what Jesus himself walked through. Then Jesus was led by Satan into the wilderness. Is that what yours says? He was led by the evil one into the wilderness. No, Jesus was led by the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, his heavenly father, led him into the wilderness. The wilderness represents these trials, it represents these tests. So he is led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. So what's very interesting here is we see that that Jesus was being obedient to his father. In his father's voice, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, led him right into the middle of a trial, led him right into the middle of a test. But notice the father didn't tempt him to sin. It says that the enemy was there waiting on him to tempt him and his name was the devil. So there's gonna be times as a follower of Christ that our obedience is gonna send us right into the middle of a trial. Our obedience is gonna send us right into the middle of the test. But what we have to know is that while our Father is leading us there, there's still one called the enemy who is prowling around like a roaring lion and he is waiting there on you because he wants to tempt you. He wants to get your eyes off being obedient to your Father. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. We know that he was tempted three different times by the devil in this trial. In this wilderness, he had three different encounters with Satan himself to be tempted. So what we recognize is that Jesus had a choice to make. In his obedience, in following the voice of the spirit in following his heavenly father, he still had a choice to make because he was faced with temptation. So the choice to be made, was he gonna cling to the father's voice? Was he gonna cling to the word of God? Or was he gonna give into the flesh? Was he gonna be obedient and surrender to the father or was he going to give in and surrender to his own flesh? And so for all of us, in our obedience, in our life of following Christ, it is going to find us in trials. It's going to find us in, in these tests of life. But what's gonna happen is the enemy is going to show up and he's gonna lure you in. He's gonna tempt you. He's gonna want you to go and follow your flesh. He's wanna, he, gonna, he wants to get your eyes off of the very one who called you there so that he can tempt you and so that he can lead you astray from the voice of God. And so you're gonna be faced even in your obedience. So walking in obedience, we're gonna find ourselves faced with, are we gonna follow Christ? Are we gonna continue to surrender? Are we gonna continue to depend? Or are we gonna give in to something that seems easier? Or are we gonna give in to something that doesn't align with the word of God? So Jesus had a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Because even in both of these choices, we can choose to stay obedient, we can choose to stay the course, or we can surrender to our flesh. But in both cases, you realize both choices lead to growth. Both of these choices lead to growth. So no matter which one you choose, something's gonna grow. But not all growth is good. Not all growth is good. We're in that time of spring right now where, just to be honest, everybody's yards look terrible. (laughs) Flower beds look awful. Because you see, there's growth in these flower beds that's not supposed to be there. There's things growing that are not supposed to be there and they're simply called a weed. So not all growth is good. But you see the growth that we're talking about is that if we are obedient to the voice of God, if we continue to surrender to God, our faith, we will grow in dependence on the Father. But if we choose our flesh, if we give in to the lure of the enemy, what then grows is the very thing that controls you to begin with, the very thing that you've already been set free from, and that's the control of this sin in your life. So whatever you submit to is what is going to grow. And so what we have to do as the follower of Christ is be so sensitive to what God is calling us to grow in and not what the enemy is wanting us to grow in. Because he's gonna show up to lure you in to the very thing that once held you in chains. Because guess who also knows your weak points? The devil does. So when you're in that trial, when you're in that test, he knows how to get you. He knows how to tempt you. So what growth do we wanna see? What growth are we gonna depend on? Because one growth leads to life and the other growth leads to disaster. You see, God allows these trials for us to draw close to him. God will send us through the briars. God will send us in the ditches. God will send us through the valleys. But it's all done with a purpose so that our dependence upon him grows. So he allows these trials to come so that we draw close to him. But the enemy wants you to run from him. In these trials, the enemy wants you to run to your weakness. The enemy wants you to run to your crutch. But, church, here's the reality trials are coming, tests are coming. And so if we know they're coming, if we know a battle is ahead, if we know that tests and trials are coming at us, then it is our responsibility to prepare. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Before he went into the wilderness, before he was led by the spirit to the wilderness to be tempted, we know that he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He was praying. He was spending time alone with the Father. He was preparing for this battle. And that is the very reason that we always talk about spiritual discipline. We just came out of a fast and all that was was to exercise spiritual discipline so that we would learn to die to our flesh and and, and be obedient to what God was leading us to do. But in that fast, what we find is that we're more sensitive to the voice of God. Because when we're not giving into the lures of the enemy, we are now having clear communication with the Father. And so we see that's what Jesus did. So we know that he was led by the Spirit because he could hear the Spirit. He could hear what God was leading him to do. And so not only do we fast, but then we pray. And that's the very reason that we walk through Matthew chapter six is because this is our opportunity just to commune with God to commune with the Father. But then also, this is the importance of being in the Word of God. I've heard some people say, you know what? I grow through worship music and I grow through my prayer but I'm just not much of a reader. Can I tell you that if that's the case, then outside the word of God, there is no growth in your faith. It's an impossibility because this is how God speaks. This is the living word of God. And so not only do we fast, not only do we pray, but we have got to be saturating ourselves with the power of this living word. This is how God teaches us who he is. This is how we become to know the father on another level. But what we also got to understand even more so, this word of God is how we fight the enemy. All three times that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't necessarily say, oh, I'm gonna battle this. I can fight this temptation. No, he simply said, it is written. He fought with the sword of the spirit. And so when we face temptation, when we face the temptation in the midst of the trials, when we face temptation in the middle of the test that God is leading us through, I challenge you, you fight with the word of God. The word of God, the enemy is scared to death of. This is the one thing he can't come against is the authority that is in this word. So when we fight with his word, this is what gives us the confidence that the enemy has already been defeated. You know, and I challenge you with this, have confidence in him and not confidence in you. You're not strong enough to fight the enemy. You're not strong enough to overcome the very temptation that he lures in front of you. You can't do it. And so while that may fe- make us feel helpless and hopeless, church, that is what gives us hope, is that we can- when we can't do it, we serve a God who already has. It's that simple. And so I don't know what trial you're in. I don't know what test you're walking through, but I can promise you wherever you're at, the enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy knows when you're weak because you think about it. When Jesus went into the wilderness, he had fasted for 40 days. He had fasted for 40 nights. And we all know what it's like to be on the tail end of a fast. Physically, you can't do anything. I remember on like day four, I got up on day four of the fast and, I usually try to run in the mornings and I ran about a hundred yards and I said, forget this. And I turned around and went back to the house and hadn't ran since. (laughs) So that's terrible. (laughs) But you see, I was physically weak. So Jesus is just coming out of a fast for 40 days. He was physically weak. But you see, when you crawl up into your father's lap and you seek him, you get in the words, you pray, you fast, you worship, you may be physically weak, but you've never been more spiritually strong because we're allowing the spirit of God to fight our battles. We just sung it a minute ago. Or no, we're about to sing it. Yeah, (laughs) dang. We sang it a minute ago. We were in the first service. Thank you, Jared. He went, no. Yeah, so we're about to fight our battles. That's what we're about to do. But you see, what we have to understand that when we are physically worn out, because there's some of your circumstances, there's some of your trials right now that you are emotionally spent, you are physically spent, you're a wreck. But that's when we have to lean on this prayer of dependency. That no matter what you're walking through right now, We've prayed, God, don't lead us into this trial. Don't lead us into this test, but deliver us from evil. You see, so while you're mentally worn out, while you're physically worn out, the enemy knows your flesh is weak. And so he's gonna show up in all of those fleshly weak areas. But I challenge you with the word of God that when you feel tempted, when you see the lure, when you see the enemy trying to bring you to himself, when you see him trying to make you fall flat on your face, you cling to the word of God And I dare you just to say, deliver me from evil. And you know what the heavenly father does? Dad's in here. If your child ever yells for help, you ever gonna ignore them? If your child ever cries for help, if your child ever pleads that they need you, dad, are you ever gonna turn a deaf ear to them? No, you're going to deliver them from the very danger that they're scared of. So when you're faced with temptation, when you're sitting there on that computer and all of a sudden things start popping up and the enemy starts to lure you, you look straight at that computer screen and you say, deliver me from evil. No matter what you're tempted with, you fight with the word of God. You declare, deliver me from evil. And the father will show up but you have to be dependent. Charles Spurgeon says this, the great captain of salvation leads us by his providence to battlefields where we must face the fierce array of evil and conquer through the blood of the lamb And this leading us into temptation is by divine grace and the overrule for our good. Since by being tempted, we grow strong in grace and in patience. So God, we don't wanna face these trials. We don't wanna face these, these struggles because we know temptation is waiting there. We know the temptation of the enemy is waiting to lure us in. So God, we don't wanna go there, but if you send us there, deliver us from the evil one. Let us become overcomers through the power of your word. Let us stand victorious on your word. Because you see, when. We depend on that and when God delivers us, we see the redemptive result. We see the redemptive result when we are delivered by the Father who loves us. Galatians chapter five, Paul challenges the church, challenges believers in verses 16 through 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. I would wonder who in the room needs to surrender to the power of that spirit, to the leading of the Holy Spirit today.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you and we'll see you next time.